Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. Talk about uh, Mark's shirtless high school photo got us thinking. Got me thinking about Mike Evans' shirtless high school photo. Is that what you do? Uh, did, you, did you think natural. about him in the, in the shower this morning? When did this thinking go on? Started last night. Oh, I was dreaming of Mike. <laughs> okay, and then it just kind of carried over to this morning. But uh, we, you and I, Chad, were just asking Mike about what his high school photos would, were, would look like. He said, "Ah, oh, no, you don't want to see mine." We went three to four buttons down. Letting the chest hair breathe, high school chest hair. Let it breathe. Uh, gold chains and feathered bangs. Yeah, it's not a flattering image. I want to see that photo, Mike. Yes, must see. It is, it is must see radio. That actually is a thing. Because uh, although the we do talk about Mark's guns, it's Mike whose guns are out right now. <laughs> he's wearing. He's wearing. A, I don't know if it's just the tight tee, but your guns are looking good, Mike. So um, I'd like to. I'd love to see that photo. How are you doing today, Chad? I'm good. I'm good, man. It's Friday. I'm looking forward to uh, tomorrow. Uh, you know, for the game, for the broadcast. So uh, we had our production meeting yesterday after the show. Okay. Um, there's always a little bit of excitement uh, slash nerves that come with that. With the meeting? Uh, well, you know, the meeting kind of kicks off your real preparation. You know, during the week it's uh, casual preparation, but I. I picked up my game boards. We got the production meetings. I got like seven pages of notes. I need to transcribe out of my fastest scribble during the meeting while, you know, uh, Montreal, Washington is talking and actually put that in a legible form that I can recall during the broadcast. So so you spoke with Montreal. You speak with Montreal. Nick Benito. Nick Benito. Brett Rippin. Brett Rippin. Uh, Damari Mathis. Okay, what are your impressions of those young young men? Uh, Brett Rippin has uh, got a maturity that uh, is probably... Feels past his years. Um, Montreal, Washington is just an awesome, 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 three awesomes kid. Wow. wow. You know, it's you do these production meetings and, you know, some players come in and they're clearly not interested. And there's some players who come in and they're shy. They're not used to talking to the media. And there's some guys who just, you know, the, the room vibrates with their personality. Uh, Josh Johnson, one of those guys. Uh, Montreal, Washington, without a doubt, one of those guys. After Josh Johnson left the room, uh, we all turned to each other. It was like, that guy is awesome. That guy, I, he needs to make this team. I'm rooting for that guy. We all said the same thing after Montreal Washington yesterday. I'm rooting for that guy. That guy is an awesome person. You know, he talked about how much he loves fishing. Um, just a good old, you know, southern kind of kid. Very respectful. Called all of us sir with every answer. You know, he prefaced his answer with, well, yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Give his answer, you know, and then would top it off with a sir at the end. Just an awesome kid. Uh, really liked him quite a bit. Uh, Brett Rippon, again, you know, got some maturity, got some uh, wisdom to himself that may be beyond his years. So, yeah, it was a it was a good set of production meetings. Coach Hackett popped in, you know, goes to the roster and who's going to play, who's up, who's down, all that kind of thing. So it was uh, that, uh, you know, again, the broadcast is coming. Let's get ourselves prepared. 
go over all our notes one more time to make sure we're all on the same page. So that, you know, that feeling you would get on a, on a Saturday practice. You know, your practice is over, game is coming, that anticipation building, I've already got that going. Yeah, and so those those four guys you, you talk to, they're all going to be playing. Yes. And they're all going to be kind of fighting for, well, Brett Rippon fighting for a roster spot. Um, Nick Benito has a roster spot. Yep. Montreal Washington has one. Montreal Washington says he does not have one. Well, he has one. Yeah, and we didn't push back against him. But it is good to have that mentality. But I, that's, I was like, again, once again, you're, you continue to impress me, young man. Your, yeah. your attitude is such the right attitude about this whole thing. There was times when I, 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 I you know, I probably had one locked up, but I had the same feeling. Right. Like, I, ca- I cannot have a bad game here. I need to go play like this is the Super Bowl. And <clears throat> what about Damari Mathis? Uh, Damari Mathis, um, I think with the injury to to Michael Ojemudia, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to manipulate the roster. They think, oh, we can, you know, release Demari and bring him back because he and he and Fayon Hicks and Michael Ojemudia are all kind of in the rotation for that third and fourth cornerback slot. Obviously, in this division, you need lots of cornerbacks, but with Michael's injury, with the hyperextended elbow. Uh, when can he return? How quickly can he return? How effective can he be if he returns? The timeline and all that. We weren't given a timeline for his injury from Coach Hackett. So I think that creates a little bit of a fuzzy situation at that cornerback spot. So Demari Mathis, I think, should have that attitude that I need to go out there and play well because there may be a chance that due to, you know, uh, roster movement that maybe he's released with the thought they'll bring him back and he may get picked up by somebody else kind of thing. Yep, 31 other teams going to be watching that tape and picking up guys that, that could help their team. Now, you never know where another team is weak. So aside from Brett Rippon and Josh Johnson, that competition's been going, and, we're, and we've been told it's, it's going to go through tomorrow night, and it's not set yet. Um, one of the other things that I'm looking to see is, is some continuity in the run game. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett spoke about that yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got a good feel. You know, we've had some great practices versus our defense, and it's a very good defensive team, and we've had a couple of those aha moments when you see that run really hit, and I think that once you get that one and you lock it in, you continually show them that so that they know, hey, this is how what it looks like to run off the ball. This is what it looks like for an inside zone, a gap scheme. Um, all those things, I think that they do get to feel that, and uh, we'll just we'll get ready to go on uh, on that week one. Chad, how much is, is an anemic or, or bad run game displayed by your twos and threes indicative of what's going to happen when the ones get out there? Uh, I think you can speak to the the structure of the run game. Is it sound structurally? Do uh, As we draw this up, are we blocking the right guys? Are we thinking about how we attack this particular front first? Um, so I, I think that's about all you can get with it. But with the lack of depth at the running back position and bringing guys literally off of their couch on a Thursday to, to tote the rock on a Saturday as they did before the Cowboys game, and they've got another new kid who's going to tote the rock uh, this week, who, who's at it this week. You don't learn the outside zone and the patience that it takes to be the running back in that system in a couple of days. So- I, want, I want to push back on that a little bit because Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, when they're asked about what what's the difference between the wide zone or the or the you know the zone scheme and versus a, 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 a gap scheme or whatever, they said nothing. You run to the open hole. You run to daylight, man. It's, it's, it's just it's just numbers and words. And once you figure all that stuff out, you run through the holes, Chad. No, I, I I think they're oversimplifying it. If isn't football simple? But in the if you're running the outside zone, you need to convince me as a defender with your movement, with your eyes, with selling me your intention 
that you are going to take this thing outside. And then I go from my shuffle, as I'm shuffling down the line of scrimmage as a linebacker, and I turn my hips and I start to run. And that's when those cutback lanes open up. That's what, what reveals what hole you should run to. So you as a runner, you can't just run directly to the hole. Now I know your intentions, and you haven't set up your blocks. The best guys, Terrell Davis uh, being you know, you know the, the, the Hall of Famer in this system, he sold his intention. I'm going to take this thing outside. He forced me to respect that. And then when he did that, that set up the block. That set up the cut block on the backside. They get the backside three technique on the ground. It's a massive cutback hole, and TD is off to the races. If you run directly to the hole, you will have the kind of success the Broncos have had this preseason run the football. Uh, hit and miss and mostly miss. It does take a uh, learned style that's slightly different than a regular running style. You have to press it and sell the outside before you cut back. Patience. Patience. Patience is a virtue. Uh, that's what my mama told me. Patience is a bird shoe. <laughs> a bird shoe. <laughs> Birds don't wear shoes, man. That's why That's why you got to be patient if you're a bird with a shoe on. Okay. Now, the hole is clear on the gap scheme stuff. On a, on a zone blocking scheme, you don't know where the hole will be. Right. That's what you're saying, right? Yep. You got to be patient. And when, when you do see that hole open up, you got to be decisive. Mm-hmm. He who chooses first usually wins that one. All right. Uh, there's a lot of people in this town. Some people. Some people even who are running the Broncos who don't believe September football really, really matters. Is that true? We're going to dive into that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. All right, so preseason doesn't matter. We're not going to play our guys. That's how it's going to go. We're going to take that chance. Our starters don't need to play until September. But on September 12th, when they play against the Seahawks, that'll be their first real action. Um... I've heard Nathaniel Hackett talk about how, you know, like it or or not, the way the teams have approached September football has changed. We have to expect a level of, I don't know, sloppiness in the first month of football. But there's no two ways around it. September football does matter in the long run. Those games are going to count. And if you look back at last year, the two teams that met up in the Super Bowl, Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams, they both went 3-1 and one in September. So imperative if you want to make a run at this thing, to start off hot. Um, the teams that, the Broncos teams that I was on, we always started off hot. And I don't know what it was about Coach Shanahan, the way he prepared us, the way the trajectory from, from minicamp to, to the offseason, to training camp, to preseason games. Boom. We hit the ground running pretty much every single year. I, I feel like we always started off 4-0, and 3-1. And that is always a good thing for your football team. Um, in your memory, Chad, what was September football like? It, it, can you kind of cast that off and say, we'll figure it out as the season goes on, or is it crucial to get off to a hot start? Uh, I think it's great to get off to a hot start. You know, That's no guarantee of a, of a fast and good finish, but a hot start certainly gives you some confidence and some momentum going into the season. Um, I've been on a team where there's a slow start, and it's, a, it's hard to overcome that. It makes... Uh, what is already difficult playing in national football, like all that more difficult um, as you lose your confidence. And if you're a team with expectations, 
then the boo birds start to come out in the stadium. And, uh, you know, you get increased media presence in the locker room, and they're not asking nice questions. They're asking hard questions. And you can avoid all that by getting off to a, you know, a hot start. And you have no idea when an injury bug is going to hit your team. And you may be drop a couple of games due to circumstances outside of your control. You have control with how you start in September. Uh, there's a lot during the season that you don't have control of. So to suddenly just dismiss September football as if it's not important and those records don't go on your final permanent record, uh, Mr. Jackson, this is going on your record, Uh-oh. like your high school principal told you. Um, <laughs> yeah, hot start, fast start in September is critical. Last six games of the season for the Broncos are the Ravens, the Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. You play the Chiefs twice in the last five games. Three AFC West division games in the last five games. Which makes the front end of this schedule pretty important, right? Yeah. Pretty important. So in light of that, is it a riskier play? What um, You know, because I know Nathaniel Hackett wants to avoid the risks of injury, right? In the preseason. I mean, he's he's talked about just don't get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever you guys do, just don't get hurt. <laughs> I want you guys to go out there and play hard and play well. We're going to be evaluating on how, you on how well you play, but just don't get hurt, okay? All right, don't get hurt on three. One, two, three. That don't get hurt. That ain't a way to play football. That it is seems like that's kind of what football. they're doing, though. It's, it just seems a little bit like they're just so afraid of, of injury that they're kind of setting themselves up for injury. But um, I guess the, my question to you is this. It's, it's, it's a riskier play doing something that's out of the ordinary, right? Most coaches play their starters a little bit in preseason to get them ready for the regular season. Patrick Mahomes played, what, last night? He suited up. Yeah. Um, and then Trey Lance played last night. Davis Mills played last night. All the, all the Niners played last night, especially offensively. Um, so is it riskier for Nathaniel Hackett to not play his guys at all and have them go out in week one and look unprepared? Does he... Is there a risk that he loses the faith or the trust of his team if he doesn't get them ready to play week one? Uh, I have called this whole thing an experiment, and I I will stick to that. Uh, The results aren't in. Um, But, yeah, when you do an experiment, I think there can be unintended consequences. And if this team does not get off to a fast start um, and it creates a narrative that somehow Coach Hackett doesn't know what he's doing within the locker room, that he did not properly prepare us for the season. We showed up for week one and got, you know, destroyed because we were not up to speed with NFL football. And the Seahawks overwhelmed us with how fast they played, how efficient they, they played, how physical they played, how prepared they were. Yeah, that can create some doubt and some question marks in that locker room. So this experiment, you know, the results aren't known and we will, we will actually get a chance to find out. This is not uh, a scientist writing down his hypothesis of what's going to happen. There's an actual experiment going on and the results will show up on the field and we'll all get a chance to see. That's the beauty of sports, right? There's always an answer to your question. Like we can, we can discuss all these ideas and what's going to happen. Well, we're going to get an answer. We're going to get an answer very soon. Uh, a texter pointing out that Tom Brady is playing this week. Yes. And uh, because he thinks he needs it. Mm-hmm. So I guess that begs the question with, with a guy like Russell Wilson, who obviously has a lot of power here. Do you think he's lobbying to play? Do you think he doesn't think he needs to play? Do you think there's a conversation with um, Russ and Nathaniel Hackett about this? Or is it just Russell saying, hey, man, your program, I'm going to do what you think is best. Last week, production meeting in Buffalo, Coach Alden 
does not let Steve Levy get the question fully out of his mouth where he says, nope, Russell ain't playing. Because Steve was going to ask, if Russ wanted to play, could he play? Because Coach Alton had just talked about, well, Quinn Miners asked to play, so we're going to let him play. Which then the logical question is, oh, so guys get to pick and choose when they want to play. What if Russ said? And Coach Alton said, absolutely not, Russ won't play. Well, yesterday, Coach Hackett said if Russ wanted to play, he would he would think about it. Okay. Maybe give him some run. Okay. So now I got to assume that Russ doesn't want to play and he's on board with this plan. All right. Well, if that's the case, if my quarterback, a guy who's who's been to nine Pro Bowls, who's won a Super Bowl, has been to two, doesn't really think he needs to, then I guess I'm going to trust him. You know, Tom Brady wants to play, thinks he needs to because he had 11 days off uh, going on the mas- masked singer. And go ahead. Uh huh. You know, get get out there and let's get ready. Um, Texter pointed out three and zero last year in the preseason, and what did that do for the Broncos? Well, it, they started off three and zero. Yeah, it actually sent them on a pretty good trajectory. They just didn't have the legs to hold it. The okay, so let's discuss this. You got the quality of your team, and ultimately that is the ceiling of your football team. The quality of your players, how good they are, how well they play together. That is the ceiling of your football team. Um, but as a coach, you get a chance to maximize this ceiling by how you well you prepare this football team. We all assume because of the talents at quarterback position, talents at other places, uh, guys gaining more experience in that wide receiver room, all that stuff, this team is going to be good. Um, but at the same time, the coach has an obligation to prepare his football team. So Coach Fangio needed to change the culture, narrative, feeling within that locker room. So they went out and tried to win all those preseason games because he recognized the ceiling's not very high for this team from a talent perspective. I've got to do everything I can to get this team ready. Got them ready. They won all three preseason games. And then they won their first three games in the season. And then ultimately the talent level of the team became the the limits and the season went how it went. Uh, Coach Hackett, on the other hand, the ceiling for this, this team currently as it's constructed is much higher than last year's team. So the question is not um, does he – uh, can he get his team ready to play? Can he get them to play well and efficiently in week one and maximize their ceiling early on in the season? That's the question for me. Yeah, and, and Nathaniel Hackett, we've talked about this. When he, when, he, when he interviewed with George Payton, he dropped his book on the table. And it was a big, thick book. Dropped his big, thick book on the table. There we go. <laughs> See, look at you, and, man. What, what do you mean? You're the one who had to add thick to it. Okay? Look, he dropped his book on the table, uh-huh. right? And they said, open up the book. Let's talk about it. Ooh, it's a thick book. Let's, let's see what's inside. Yes. Let's let's talk about this book and and what you got in it. Right. right? And uh, and like you said, there's everything in there. What your practice schedule is going to be like. What your travel schedule is like. What your training camp is going to be like. What your off season, your installation, the way you treat the players, days off, everything, right? It's all in the book. And so when he pitched his big, thick book <laughs> to George Payton, in that book was, I'm not going to play these guys in the preseason. Right. And George Payton still hired him, right? Mm-hmm. So he's obviously letting this guy work. He's letting his process carry out. And I feel like the product is going to be the season itself. You just don't flop it out there and expect to perform like that. <laughs> you don't flop it out there and expect to perform like that. Um, and so do you think George Payton has given that, this the 10,000-foot view? Let him work and let's evaluate his performance at the end of the year. Uh, I think George Payton is the kind of GM where he's going to let the 
coach run his experiment. Once the results are known, then yes, we need to have a conversation and modify that. But if your experience tells you that these guys don't need to play and you've got a track record of experience to back that up, I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. I think George Payton thinks and operates that way. He's not a GM who's going into the coach's office and telling him who to play and how to play and what plays to call. You run the football coaching part of it. I run the football personnel part of it. And together we try to create as good of a team as possible. But I don't see George Payton as that kind of GM who's who's uh, waiting for uh, Coach Hackett in his office with his list of 10 things Coach Hackett's got to do next practice, next game kind of thing. You think Jerry Jones does that? Oh, absolutely. Jerry Jones clearly does that. Yeah. Yeah, I would prefer the George Payton method yes. you know, if I was a coach. Uh, let, let's let this thing play out. We trust this guy enough to hand him the keys. Let's see if he can figure it out and course correct when things don't work. You don't know if they're not working yet. We're going to know on September 12th. All right, our very own James Merrillat. He's at it again. James is James, at it again. He wrote, James, James, he, he, James. I mean, uh, the next article coming from James is that Nathaniel Hackett's going to be on the hot seat. This is the one that precedes it, I guarantee you. And this one is about the culture. And how is the culture really changing at UC Health Training Center under Nathaniel Hackett? Or is it just like Vance Joseph? Oh, we'll get into that next. It's a Bud Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. You know, Chad, sometimes we talk about the internet uh, brotivation uh, industry. <laughs> the, um, bro, the bro, yes. Uh-huh. Bro, the brotivators. Yes, it took me a second to connect it, but yes, we do. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, one of the, you know, the, it's the Rogan bros, right? Right. The, the, the Rogan ripple effect. And uh, one of those, one of the hallmarks of the internet, like, brotivation industry is waking up really, really early. 5 a.m.? 4.30, as early as you can set your alarm, you're doing yourself a favor. So get yourself out of bed, all right, and eat some raw elk, all right, and let's get this day going. Don't forget the bone broth in your coffee. Exactly. But uh, I, I came across, and it's going around on the Internet right now, Mark Wahlberg's morning schedule. It's pretty ridiculous. Are you ready for this? <laughs> Tell me. 2.30 a.m., wake up. <laughs> when did you go to bed? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Right. We don't need sleep. Sleep is for the week, Chad. There's a worldwide epidemic of sleep issues uh, and health issues. Get up and caused by lack the, of sleep. Attack the day, Chad. Okay, sorry. Two thirty a.m. Wake up. Uh huh. Two forty-five a.m. Prayer time. Uh huh. Okay. Three fifteen. Breakfast. Okay. Three forty to five fifteen a.m. Workout. Uh, is this daily? I don't know. I okay. think so. I think so. 5.30 a.m., post-workout meal. Okay, so you've already had breakfast. This is meal number two right. at 5.30 a.m. 6 a.m., shower. All right? 7.30 a.m., golf. And 8 a.m., snack. So a 30-minute golf session, I guess it's like probably a simulator. He's got one of those in his house, taking some swings. You have some issues with this schedule already? Well, it's just the... 
it just speaks to the 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 privilege mm. of someone like Mark. And to put this out as a brotivator, it's just like no one else has this opportunity, time, space, money, uh, lifestyle to be able to pull off this. Wait, not- wait, you don't think he's just waking up and at 2.30 a.m. then going out in like a random school field and doing the work out there on his own and like eating raw eggs like Rocky? No. How do you, you think people are like cooking for him and doing all this stuff for him? Right. He shows up in the gym. His trainer's like, all right. All right, Mr. Wahlberg. Why am I go. here at three forty a.m.? Well, that's what the trainer, of course, is yeah. saying. But yes, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it, it just cracks me up. You know, it, it's but it's the same thing. They've been doing this to women. They've been shaming women for years. You look at a magazine stand at the grocery store, and it's uh, Jennifer Lopez. How I got my body back? How I got my beach body for the summer? No, you're Jennifer Lopez. You hired seven trainers and nutritionists. This. This mom who's shopping in King Supers, who's got four kids and trying to get everybody to soccer practice, she can't do that. She doesn't have time. We shame people with this ridiculous celebrity-driven motivations and and female shaming, and somehow we make people feel less than. I've got an issue, clearly, with this whole thing here. <laughs> do you want me to finish the schedule for you? Please, so I can, right. I can roll my eyes even further. All right, so the 8 a.m. snack, okay, uh-huh. 9.30 a.m., cryo chamber recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has a cryo chamber in right. their house, right? I do. I got it installed yesterday. 10.30 a.m. snack. Mm-hmm. 11 a.m. family time, meetings, and work calls for two hours. No, yeah, get to start the day. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All yep. three at the same time. So you, you have a work call going on. Everyone is there meeting you, and your kids are playing. So uh, 1 p.m. lunch, 2 p.m. meetings, work calls, 3 p.m. pick up the kids at school. He's oh. picking up his kids. I'm a real guy. Look at me. Hey, guys. I'm a dad. Uh, 3.30 snack. 4 p.m. workout number two. 5 p.m. shower. 5.30 dinner. Family time. 7.30 p.m. bed. <laughs> Good for Mark. What a day. Good for Mark. Good what for him. What a day. Good. That is awesome for him. Uh, I just think, you know, again, the, 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 the lack of privilege understanding uh, when you want to put this out as a tool for someone else to jump upon uh, and, and follow my, you know, what I do, yeah, it just, you know, it, it just it rings so hollow because you don't even understand other people's lives yet. You want to tell them to follow you. Yeah, it costs a lot of money to do that, doesn't yeah. it? Anyone out there on the text line have any motivation tips you think we need to know about or that you live with and that help you uh, on a budget without Mark Wahlberg's um, uh, budget? Let us know. All right, so before the before the break, break, I talked about James Merrillat. Now, he wrote a new article at denverfan.com, and I'm going to quote James Merrillat here. At this point, an eye roll is in order. It's nothing but talk, talk, talk. It's words that don't mean much of anything. They're just catchy quotes that make everyone feel better for a short time. But in the end, their hollowness comes through, usually in the form of losing football games. Talk is cheap, and Broncos country is tired of hearing it. Actions speak louder than words, and in the last four days, they've been sending a disturbing message. Come on, man. You agree with James? Okay. Uh, James is usually grabs a thread of truth and pulls on it so far that he ends up in a completely different place. Um, and I can possibly see where James is grabbing that thread from, but I disagree with the overall take and framing of it. Um, Yeah, there is 
at this point, no proof in the pudding. None. None? None. Zero? Because James says there is some proof. Um, and, well, um, basically, James says that there is proof. There is proof. Because you had a really bad showing against the Bills. Mm-hmm. And then you come back two days later and have a really, really bad practice. To the point where Nathaniel Hackett loses his voice. He lost his voice. Which means there's problems, Chad. Because <laughs> why would you lose your voice if things weren't going haywire? Uh, what's the uh, basketball coach who's always lost his voice with the clip? Used to be with the Clippers. Um, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. Hey, guys, guys, hey, <laughs> get over here. Need a lozenge. <laughs> it's like Batman. Yes, it's not Blake's fault. Um, but yes, Doc Rivers has had plenty of success in the NBA, and he's he's got a permanently lost voice. So lost voice is no indicator of how good your team is or isn't. Um, I guess what he's saying is the the ones. The ones, the starters, had an opportunity to come back here and right the ship after a bad performance right. and are obviously getting yelled at, so they're they're not figuring it out. Uh, we got one here. Yeah, I mean, I think they've got a good feel. You know, we've had some great practices versus our defense, and it's a very good defensive team, and we've had a couple of those aha moments when you see that run really hit, and I think that once you get that one and you lock it in, you continually show them that so that they know, hey, this is how what it looks like to run off the ball. This is what it looks like for an inside zone, a gap scheme. Um, all those things, I think that they do get to feel that, and uh, we'll just we'll get ready to go on, uh, on that week one. We also got another quote here from Coach Evero about the loss. That's one of those deals where, uh, you know, the competitor and all of us, so we're never going to be happy with that type of performance. And it uh, doesn't matter if it's preseason or regular season, um, playoffs, whatever. Um, as competitors, we want to be better than that, and uh, we got to be better than that. And now, finally, one from Coach Stukes. No, to be completely honest with you, no. Uh, anytime you give up a 29-yard return, how can you be happy about that? Yeah, I get the other things. We stopped them inside the 20 a couple of times and things of that sort. But I'll say this again. The standard that we're trying to build around here is different. And if you want to be one of those top special teams units, you can't give up 29-yard returns. So, Chad, isn't this exactly what you want to be hearing from your coaches after a loss like that? Or is James on to something? No, I think it's what you want to hear. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I think James is able to take a, a thread of a kernel, uh, a bit, a speck, a nugget of truth and then create an entire narrative around that. Uh, James is tremendous at that. Um, so, yeah, there's some truth there. But, yes, I think these coaches are responding with the right words in a press conference. Are these hollow words? I mean, we're going to find out. We are going to find out. Do, are there some concerns about this team? Yes, the ones had a practice against the Cowboys and it wasn't real, real football. And apparently they did okay. Other than that, we really don't know much about this team. We know something about the twos and threes. They didn't show up last week against Buffalo. They looked pretty good against the uh, the Cowboys, but we don't know much. And now with the preparation, I think in the everyone's minds moving to Seattle, I'm not exactly sure what we're going to see out there tomorrow that's going to change the feeling that we have about all this unknown and where this team is actually going, which is only going to give more fodder for James. Aside from the culture stuff, aside from the uh, the stuff that James Marilyn was writing about, one of the staples and actually the core staple to the this West Coast system is the running game. Mm-hmm. And if, if there are problems with the running game, that spells problems. With your offense, um, and even even especially when your quarterback is Russell Wilson, because as a defensive player, you know if you can't run the ball, what are you going to do? You're going to pin your ears back and come after him. We're going to get into that uh, running game discussion next. 
Light Football Friday. Bud Light, official beer sponsor of the Denver Broncos. Here's Chad and Nate. This is perfect for James Marilat. Don't yeah. you worry, James. It's also perfect for all those texters texting in uh, that, that are upset that we're talking about preseason. You know? It's, it's going to be all right, man. Don't you worry, man. Don't worry about it. It is preseason right now. That's why we're talking about it, guys. What do you want us to talk about? You give us a better topic. Give me a better topic, right? Now, we're, we're getting we're getting uh, we're, uh, a text kind of along these lines. Are you people lost? Didn't the back-to-back Broncos teams lose most of their preseason games? Are you people just looking for stuff to talk about? That's from Shane. Shane, we're not talking about the wins and the losses, okay, of these Broncos. We're talking about the players who are playing and getting ready to go play. That's all. Um, now, we got a guy on the line right now who's, who's, who's a lot smarter than we are and can help us figure all this stuff out. DenverFan.com's Senior Broncos writer Andrew Mason joins us on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. How you doing this morning, Andrew? I'm doing great. How you fellas doing? What's up? Really good. Really good. It's a, it's a reggae Friday. Um, okay, so before I get into some Broncos questions, I, I want to ask you because you are just a very experienced watcher of practices. Um, did you see what happened at the Rams-Bengals joint practice yesterday with Aaron Donald ripping off two helmets and swinging them like a wild man? I know you saw it. What are your thoughts on that, and should there be any discipline for the guy? You know, if, if my thoughts on it are this. First of all, I've seen a couple of instances where you've, you've got the helmet swinging over the years. I remember one, I think it was back in 2014 when the Broncos and Texans had a joint practice. And that, that week actually resulted in, by, by the time we got to the actual preseason game, um, Peyton Manning drawing a, a, a you know, basically taunting a DJ, DJ Swearinger, and Swearinger kind of deserved it after some of the stuff he pulled that week. But the thing that I keep thinking about, guys, is there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, they have to suspend Aaron Donald for doing that. I, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there's anything in the NFL CBA that calls for any kind of punishment that uh, is based off of, what you do in practice. I don't think there's a heck of a lot that the league can do here, despite people kind of calling for that. Uh, you are correct. There's nothing in the CBA that uh, has a punitive function for you know behavior during a practice. So this would be pressure from the league, putting pressure on the Rams to make that happen. Uh, it certainly was, was ugly, but I want to answer your question. Yeah, I mean, it, so it's up to the Rams, and I'm, I mean... Uh, that's that's a tough one. Now, um, I'll say this: I was covering the Panthers back in uh, 2008, and that was the training camp when Steve Smith uh, punched uh, Ken Lucas during a uh, during a practice drill, and the team suspended Smith for the first couple of games. So, I wonder if that's the sort of thing that maybe uh, they use as a template to justify. Some punishment. That being said, I would say, you know, swinging the helmet is dangerous. I'm not sure it rises to the to the level of a punch that actually results. And I believe, uh, I believe Lucas uh, broke his broke his nose, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from absorbing the punch. So I'm not sure it kind of rises to that level. But uh, uh, maybe that's something that the Rams uh, that the Rams kind of look at because uh, at least from that instance, we do have a an example of a practice of a practice incident resulting in a team issued punishment. 
Uh, Mace, this West Coast offense operates best when uh, the run game is working. Uh, the Broncos had some success last week against Buffalo, actually in the fourth quarter, with some of those passes by Brett Ripon off a play-action pass. So it just goes to illustrate the marriage between the run game and the pass game. Uh, do you think, after a couple of weeks of not running the ball well, that there'll be an improvement in what we see tomorrow night as far as the run game goes? I, I think so, and I think... Even though, as Nathaniel Hackett noted this week, that some of the lack of physicality um, up front in the uh, in the run blocking phase of it is comes from guys still learning uh, what their assignments are and, and how they need to read things and operate in the outside zone. I think you. I think you'll see. I think you'll see better. I think you'll see a little bit more. Tenacity. I think that's really going to show up more on the on the defensive side on the defensive line. But I think you'll see that offensively as well. I, I don't. I I if, look. If even if we're talking about backup, if you have another game where you're only get you're getting zero to three rushing first downs, I think uh, it's it's fair to uh, take a long hard look at the uh, the waiver wire as far to uh, to, to look at what uh, better you can find in terms of uh, depth. Uh, on the offensive line when you, when the uh, cuts happen uh, next week, but I think we'll see. I think we'll see better. And I think and, I, and you mentioned the play action game. I mean that that just kind of goes to show that even when the ground game isn't working, if you show a commitment to it, then it's going to set up the play action. It's going to set up the things there. I mean, there it as you guys know in this scheme, uh, the, the the play action and the run. They they operate hand in hand and and the play and the play action helps make every everything work a little bit better and so maybe that maybe that getting that right will open will will open some things up long term. Andrew, I'm going to present a scenario to you and I want you to give me your answer. Okay, uh, the Broncos are seven and two. Okay, going into Sunday, November twentieth against Vegas here at home. Uh, Russell Wilson pulls his hamstring in warm-ups. You got to put out either Josh Johnson or Brett Rippon to go out there and win you your, your your tenth game of the season against Vegas at home. Which quarterback do you feel more comfortable starting that game? Uh, Josh Johnson. It's just based on the history uh, of of him that he the, the skill that he has is being able to come in. On relative, on extremely short notice over the years, and not be spectacular, but give your team a chance. And I think overall, despite the consternation over the the preseason form, I think overall this team is better than most of the teams that Josh Johnson has worked with. I think back to say uh, the Jets last year. Uh, when he was starting in Baltimore, they were decimated by injuries at that point uh, last year. Um, Washington back in 2019. I think if you had, if in, in that moment, in the crunch, that's where I would trust the larger body of work over the course of a career, so especially over the course of those uh, last few years when he's been a pretty capable emergency quarterback. Uh, I, I trust Josh Johnson just a little bit more. Uh, Coach Hackett uh, lost his voice, he said, uh, at practice this week, yelling at the offense. Um, 
this training camp up until the last uh, week or so uh, has been marked by everything being great. Russell Wilson is great. Josh Johnson is great. Practice is great. Energy is great. Now the not-so-great stuff is starting to come out. There's a little bit of adversity at practice. Defense is getting the better of the offense. Uh, is this just regular training camp uh, procedure, or is there something more happening there that should, we should be have a, a greater level of concern about? I mean, if I have a greater level of concern about anything, it's the fact that uh, you would have expected and hoped the offense would be on the incline and, and improvement and have it be steady. Uh, as you got toward the end of this training camp preseason phase of the year, and yet the the last couple the last couple of days that they put on full pads for practices. It hasn't looked efficient. There have been way too many turnovers, uh, way too many interceptions in, in particular. So the concern I have is the fact that the trend line for the offense isn't what I think everybody hoped it would be. I mean, it, it, look, it was fair to expect the defense to be well ahead early because they're, they're operating a scheme that is, a sanctu- is very similar to what they've had. They've tweaked a few things. They've changed some of the nomenclature. But conceptually, they're doing a great many of the same things that they did with, with Vic Fangio. There's relative continuity on the defense in terms of the, the players they're putting out there. So because of that, I expect the defense to be better, but I expect the offense to catch up. The thing that I'm seeing that does concern me is I'm not sure the offense is catching up. Okay, so if you were to have to choose today, Andrew, because you've been out there every day, you've seen this receiver core, and they they performed really well. The depth of this receiver room has really shown up during camp and preseason. If you had to, if if you know, we had a first regular season game tomorrow, and you have a three wide receiver package out there. You got Corlin Sutton, you got Jerry Judy. Who's your number three receiver on the field? Uh, actually, based on what I saw this week and how he looked, uh, KJ Hamler. I think he he looked. He looks ready to me, based on based on how how he played. Now, did it get a little bit of a run, Sari? I think for KJ, it's kind of it's more mental than physical because it, he he's talked about how you got the the mental hurdles. You've got okay, you're back to doing team period reps, and then he talked about how the first time he really went up for a ball this week, it, it, he had a little bit of nervousness, a little bit of trepidation about what it was going to be like when he came down on that knee and then he came through clean. And he had some, and in the days that followed, had some really nice uh, leaping grabs, especially on, on Wednesday when he was the real reason why the offense did succeed in the, in the two-minute drill at the end of practice. So personally, I think based on what we've seen to this point this week, I saw, I saw enough to say KJ's my three ready to go for week one. Love it. Let's hope that's the case. Andrew, good stuff. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, fellas. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Mason. That was uh, our Broncos insider, Andrew Mason, DenverFan.com, senior Broncos writer uh, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. All right, when we come back, we got distractions, and I'm going to tell a few tales of preseason games, and you don't want to miss it. That's next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.